Hello and welcome to episode 13 of More Than Sweat. I'm your host, Brooke Benton, and in today's episode, you and I will power walk for 20 minutes on the beat of royalty-free fitness music at 132 steps per minute. That's 4.2 miles per hour, and we're talking about something very important, and that is pursuing your ambitions with passion. All too often, we have a goal on our head and in our heart that when we get our first no, we treat it as an ending. No can be the beginning of a negotiation. And sometimes roadblocks are just there for you to be creative and find a way around them. I have so many personal stories I'm going to be sharing with you today, some that are a little bit cuckoo and some that are going to make you laugh. We're going to have a great time here on our final episode of season one of More Than Sweat. All you need to do is grab yourself a tall glass of water, lace up your walking sneakers, and let's get going. Watch the beat of the music. Feel it right here. Right, left, right, left. As you walk, you strike the ground with your heel, roll through the foot to the back, push off your big toe, lift your knee up, and take another step. Your arms should be pumping right by the sides like they're slots in a toaster. Try not to bring your hands in towards your sternum. That's going to make you do funky things at your knees and your hips. So we got those arms pumping straight forward. As we walk, we're going to talk. You have goals in mind. I have goals in mind. The easy thing to do is try to wait for a door to open. But you know what? Most of the time, you're going to have to go and open the door yourself. It would be nice if some angel from heaven came and just popped that door right open and took all your work out of it. But most of the time, that's not the case. This is on my heart right now because I just did something audacious and went for a goal that would not have happened otherwise. And I think this is going to come to fruition. I'll have to let you guys know about it in first episode of season two. But it really got the thought in my head that sometimes we got to take matters in our own hand and make the thing happen. I'll give you some examples, but I want you right now thinking about your own life. What's going to take you from here to there? What is it that the universe has put on your heart? And it's like, hey, hello, McFly, anybody home? Chase this down, do the thing. One of the examples was when I was a kettlebell professional, and so I would go to different conferences and lead kettlebell education, and I remember I went to a power systems total training seminar, led a workshop, and at the end, power systems didn't want to have to ship all of their kettlebells back, and so they were giving away kettlebells to the presenters. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a 25-pound kettlebell, so they give it to me. I get to security at Chicago O'Hare Airport, And I stick that kettlebell on the conveyor belt to go through TSA security. It took one time through and the person behind the counter that was, you know, making sure nobody's bringing a bomb was like, ma'am, ma'am, this cannot go through security. You're going to have to go check this. Huh? Uh, what? I don't think so. You know, American Airlines charges something, I don't know, 25 bucks. And you know how cheap I am. If you've come this far along with me in a podcast, you know I'm not going to pull out my wallet unless I have to. I reuse dental floss. I am very, very, very cheap. So I took all my luggage and my kettlebell, left that checkpoint, and walked to the other side of the airport. I try to do the same thing, sending the kettlebell through outside of my luggage. It goes through. The person working the TSA sees it, pulls the kettlebell out. It's like, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's fitness equipment. Uh, Anything over five pounds is considered a weapon. You're going to have to check this. And I'm like, darn it. Thank you. And so I take my kettlebell and all my luggage and go back through to return to the security checkpoint 
that I was at in the first place. But this time, I take that kettlebell and I put it inside my suitcase. I unzip my suitcase, put the 25-pound kettlebell inside, and I'm waiting to go through security for a third time. I make sure I'm not going through the same line that I did last time. You know, there's like six different stations in that one area, and so I'll pick a different one. I go through, and the person working TSA is like, ma'am, and he unzips the luggage, and he's like, this is not allowed to go inside your luggage. Next time, please be sure that you put it outside of the luggage when you send it through security. And I've got a grin on my face like a Cheshire cat. I'm like, okay, there wasn't gonna be a next time. Never ever again was I gonna try to get a 25 pound kettlebell through security, but I felt like I had just beat the system. I brought a thing through that looked like a cannonball. 25 pounds and success. It was hugely gratifying. And again, later after that, I was needing to fly somewhere with a five pound kettlebell and my luggage was full. And so I put it in my husband's luggage. And you know, I know by now that you can bring things five pounds and less because from my experience before. So I didn't think I was doing anything shady shady with bringing the five pound kettlebell. I stick it in my husband's luggage. We're running late to catch the flight. And so I weave through and get ahead. And anyway, I make it through and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting for my husband. Eventually he, he won't cut in line. So he waits. We're running, we're almost about to miss this flight. They flag his luggage. He lets him just take the kettlebell. And he's like, why would you hide things in my luggage? I'm like, why would you let them take it? It was five pounds. He doesn't question authority, but you know what? Sometimes you have to do that to pursue your goals, dreams, and ambitions. So I guess I'm one for one. My 25 pound kettlebell made it through. The five pound kettlebell that I'm, I'm putting that on my husband. <laughs> that one got taken. That's all the kettlebell stories we're doing today. I got an ambition story for all the single ladies. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, it's you. I'm gonna tell you a story about a little ambition that winded me up with a year long relationship. Back in 2003, I was a poor college student living by myself in an apartment and my television got one channel. It was the local Fox station. I had rabbit ear antennas that I could shimmy around and then the local Fox station came in crystal clear. Nothing else, but that did. And so I'd watch Fox, the local Fox News. The sports broadcaster was this tall drink of water. At least he looked tall on the news. And he would crack the most cheesy jokes. This guy was quirky, quirk, quirk, quirky, and so was I. So in my head, this was supposed to be a relationship. He was supposed to be my boyfriend. And this is before online dating was a thing. There were classified ads in newspapers if you wanted a boyfriend. What there was not is sending a rando email to a news station with your photograph attached. But that is what ambitious 20 year olds do. So I did, I got to typing, asking if Josh Pels, the sports broadcaster was single, and if so, if he would go on a date with me. And the next day I got a response. He was single, he was interested. I show up for our first date and he is not a tall glass of water. I towered over the fella, he was super short, but we ended up having a on and off relationship for about a year and wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken the ambition of sending an email. Here's another ambitious story for you that also regards the news. I always had a little itch to maybe one day be a news broadcaster and I gleaned a whole lot of information just from my time dating Josh. He had gotten his undergrad degree in this and had to do an internship in Podunk, 
Sherman, Oklahoma, and then Waco, Texas, before eventually making it as like the third string sports broadcaster for Fox News. And he's like, Brooke, it's so hard. And he was 10 years older than me and making $30,000 a year. So money's not great, but it really still kind of stuck with me. Maybe one day that's something I want to do, even though my degree was not in broadcasting. My undergrad was in exercise and sports science. Then I went on and got a master's in sports and fitness administration. I lived in Dallas, and when I was there, I was the fitness director at Southern Methodist University. But in 2010, my husband and I had moved to Austin, and I was trying to find my footing professionally. I just, I didn't have a full-time job. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I see that a news station is hiring. KVU was hiring a field reporter. And so I applied, and I sent in copies of my workout DVDs to go along with my application, thinking that it showed that I have camera presence, I can do this job. Well, a guy, the hiring manager, Frank Volpicella, the news director, reaches out to me or has his assistant reach out to me to bring me in for an interview. I am over the moon. Daniel gets home from work that night and I'm like, babe, I'm going to become a news broadcaster. And he's like, you you got a job? I'm like, no, I got an interview. It's the same thing. I interview very well. I'm going to get the job. So I go in to meet with Frank Volpicella and turns out he really is just confused and curious about why somebody would with all of this fitness background decides they're going to be a news field reporter and we're carrying on just kind of having a conversation and he asks why I want to be a field reporter and I said I love being in front of the camera I'm good at it I want to help people and delivering the news to them is a way that I can help all Austinites know what's going on in our community he said what do you think of our news I said oh I don't watch it he said you don't watch the news? I said, no, my husband and I actually don't turn on the television very often. And he said, so you want to deliver the news, but you don't watch the news. I said, yes, exactly. He takes maybe half a breath and the wheels in his head are spinning. He goes, Brooke, I'm going to put it to you this way. It's not that you can't do this job. You could do it, but why are you going to make it this hard on yourself? It's like a fat kid in boot camp. You can do it, but why are you going to make it this hard on yourself? And that really was a very good analogy that got me realizing maybe I just need to stay with the fitness field that I know and love and am very good at and experienced with and keep doing my thing with fitness. So I shook Frank Vopicella's hand and let him know in an email a couple days later that he could remove me from the candidate pool because I'm just going to continue to follow my fitness path. And he sent an email back that that was a good idea. So sometimes following your goals, dreams, and ambitions just means seeing them through even if you don't ultimately keep going the long haul with it. So that was the case there. But here's another professional example where the negotiating actually went both ways. It was 2015 and I had been doing a lot of entrepreneurial work. I had made a bunch of workout videos. I was writing for Prevention Magazine. I was a faculty member for SCW Fitness, traveling to regional fitness conventions. Hayes was three years old at the time. And so most of what I'd done is pots and pans, lots of pots and pans. And I was in the interview process to direct education for a well-known fitness company. Well, we get through several rounds of interviews, then we're talking money, and they wanted to offer this position a really low number, and I wanted a really high number. And this is all fine, because you usually meet in the middle somewhere. Well, I get asked the question, what were your earnings last year? What? That is a low-blow negotiating tactic. He knew that I was mostly June Cleaver at home doing pots, pans, laundry, and cleaning up spit-up. That's what I've been doing. That's what I earned in 2014.
scene, but I wasn't going to respond with a number because it really puts me at a disadvantage. So instead of directly answering the question of what did you earn last year, I said, if we get to the goal line of getting me into this role, you'll know exactly what I made at this point next year. We could not come to a common ground where we got the number that it would require for me as a mom with about to have two kids to do the role. I think that they probably found somebody that could do it quite well. I don't know, but that was the negotiation that went on there. Just so you know, if you ever get asked in an interview where they want you to take money less than you'd like and they say, well, what did you make last year or what's your current salary? You can say, if we get to the goal line, you'll know exactly what my salary was last year at this point next year. It's just really hardly relevant when the duties that you're going to be doing for that job are not the same as the duties that you've been doing. I would have been working over 50 hours a week doing that role. I'm working different work, just mom. That's not actually a job, but that was most of my work at the time, and it is important, but it doesn't pay the same. Amen and amen. Moving on, another example. Let's talk about when I went to a commercial audition, and I felt like I misread the judges and kind of botched the thing. It was just a Gold's Gym commercial call. There were a lot of people that showed up just to get a spot on a commercial for Gold's Gym. It had nothing to do with anything. It wouldn't have led to any further commercial career advancement, but I wanted to be on that commercial. So I show up and I think the judge asked something like, what's your experience with fitness? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. And I start listing off my whole resume, everything I've done with fitness. And they're kind of glazing over because they really just wanted to hear that you're an active person and would be able to do some jumping jacks if they needed you to for the commercial. So I do the audition and can tell I, I went too much, too long, and it seemed narcissistic. It didn't go well you're not getting this job and so it was kind of dejected as I left I get home and I'm like I could have done better I should have kept it succinct that I exercise regularly and I love Gold's Gym and it would give me great joy to be in this commercial so I stick on a blonde wig change my clothes drive back to do the audition all over again with a different name. I am kidding you not, this happened. I get to Gold's Gym, I scan my membership card, and I can tell that the person taking the membership behind the desk recognizes me, because I'm there all the time. I was working out at Gold's often then, and I can tell she's on to me. She knows that that is Brooke Benton with a blonde wig on, doing something shady. I go back to the bathroom to pump myself up before going in to do this audition again. And I'm like, you got this, you got this, now go do it. As I'm looking at myself, I'm like, you don't have to do this. If they didn't like you the first time, they don't get you the second time. Take off this dadgum wig, put yourself back together, and go be the you that you are. If they didn't get you the first time, they don't get you the second time. And I did not walk back in to do the audition again. I did not get the role, but onward and upward. Did you catch our episode two weeks ago on reframing rejection as redirection? If you missed it, go back and listen to that one. It was a good one. But what I just told you was a story of how I could have felt rejected, but instead, no, no, this is opening up a different door. I'm being redirected somewhere else. And that somewhere else was three months after I didn't get that audition. I moved to Dallas to serve as the executive director of Healthy Living for a hospitality company there. And I continue to do that until 
the COVID-19 pandemic. You guys remember the pandemic when we're all sheltering in place. My kids are on their devices entirely too much. My husband and I are both trying to work remotely and it's just not working out. Pots and pans are piling up. There's laundry that hadn't been done in two weeks. And so I end up resigning and it's great because I'm able to spend a lot more time with the kids and catch up on all the household duties that were just not getting done. But I also needed to scratch a professional itch. And I recalled, gosh, for years I was writing for Prevention Magazine and I really enjoyed that. But since the time that I left, the company had been acquired. It was a Rodale brand, now it's a Hearst brand. I don't even know anybody that works there anymore. So I'm like, this feels like a good time for a cold call. I went to LinkedIn, saw who the editor-in-chief was of Prevention Magazine, and I sent her a private message. And it is a loaded baked potato. I loaded examples of my written work. I loaded links to workout videos, so similar to what I did with Frank Volpicella with the news, except this time it was skills that actually were transferable to going back and writing for prevention again. She responds to me very quickly. We get on a phone call and boom, I'm writing for prevention again. It was really gratifying. At that time, I needed to be mostly available as mom, but I needed to be helping people too. So writing for Prevention Magazine allowed me to do that. And then fast forward a little bit later, because of that, I was offered a book deal. Prevention reached out to me to contract me to author Lift Light, Get Lean. It was published in February. And because of that book, it built the confidence in me that I can author a book. I am so happy to tell you that I just put the final period on my next book, Sweat with Brooke Benton. This book is my pride and joy. It took years. I actually started writing this, just dabbling in it in 2020, and then I kind of gave up on it. And then after Live Like It Lean was published, I'm like, hey, you can do this thing. Pull back out that book, delete 90% of what you wrote, rewrite it from your heart, remember your why, and that is inspiring millions to well-being. It is to make you whole, cleverly disguised as a sweat fest. My personal stories in that book are outlandish. You think what I've told you in this podcast today are some crazy stories? It gets real cray-cray in Sweat with Brooke Benton. And then every one of those chapters ends with a workout video, different modes of workouts, outdoor running, outdoor cycling, indoor cycling, kettlebell, high intensity interval training, cardio kickboxing, step aerobics, yoga, Pilates, bar, recovery with a foam roller, all of that in one book. It gives me so much joy to tell you in January 2024, Sweat with Brooke Benton will be published. That wouldn't have happened had I not cracked open a door with getting the relationship with prevention, rocking and rolling again, writing articles for them that led to a book deal that built the confidence that I could do this without a heavily edited manuscript. I can do it on my own. I hope you're as stoked as I am. And because of that, this is how I wanted to end our first season of More Than Sweat. I'm glad you have that information. And I also want you to have another little piece of information. You're like, you can do it, Brooke, but I don't know if I can do it because I don't know if I have that kind of ambition. The only reason I have that ambition is because somebody taught it to me. I'm teaching it to you just like my father taught it to me. I got one more story we're going to end with, and it's a good one. Back in 1983, my dad pulled out a map of the United States and told my mom, 
pick somewhere. You see, they were living in Mississippi, and my dad's brothers and his dad were all in the preschool photography business. They were competing for the same business, and he'd had it. So he told my mom, pick somewhere. She had a sister that was living in Texas, and so she picks Texas. In no time after that, my family moves to Texas. To get business established, my dad went cold calling preschool to preschool around the Austin area, and he got told a lot of no's. Some of those he changed to yeses with a negotiation, but he filled an entire calendar of work. 40 years later now, he still has those same preschools that he goes and shoots pictures at, doesn't have a free day to pick up any additional schools because he's so good at what he does. He proved that they bet right, and he kept those schools for 40 years. That is what happens when you get your knuckles bloody knocking on doors. He supported a family of five and sent four kids to college because of the ambition of going preschool to preschool and making the thing happen that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't gotten up off his keister and opened the door. That deeply inspired me, and that is how I've become the ambitious woman that I am. I hope it's inspired you to get out and chase those goals. They're on your heart and in your mind for a reason, and it behooves you to see them through. This is how we are ending season one of More Than Sweat. It is to make you whole, cleverly disguised as a sweat fest. Continue to listen to the previous 12 episodes until we meet again in 2024. Share this episode. Please rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts. And I will see you back for season two of More Than Sweat.